Hello, it's Ashley McKinless, and welcome to a special Christmas episode of Jesuitical. Yeah, 2020 has been a really tough year, and yet we know that God is still with us, has been with us, and we're still celebrating the birth of our Savior. So, we wanted to mark this time of year with a special episode of Jesuitical. Yeah, so here's what you can expect. First, you're going to hear a reflection from yours truly about what Christmas means for me in this in this year, unlike any other we've experienced. Uh, and then we wanted to hear from you, our listeners. Uh, we put out a, a call for your consolations, and we were so grateful to receive uh, so many voice memos from you talking about where you were able to find God in your life this year. Yep. So thank you for sending those. They're great to listen to. We've got a little montage of them right in the middle of this episode. And then finally, we'll end up with a reflection from me on what Christmas means to me this year. So again, thank you for everything you do to make this Jesuitical community so special, and we hope you have a very Merry Christmas. And we'll see you in 2021. walked into Sibley Memorial Hospital just after midnight on March 11th. The receptionist asked if I had traveled to China in the last month. I had not. I had traveled from Brooklyn to Washington, D.C. for the birth of my niece. After an anxious hour in the maternity ward waiting room, I was able to hold my sister's first child in my arms, marveling at every hiccup, yawn, and blink. After a few hours of sleep, I was back at the hospital the next morning when the news alerts started coming in. The NBA suspended its season. The World Health Organization had declared the coronavirus a global pandemic. Tom Hanks had tested positive for COVID-19. But the news of this deadly virus felt very far away then, and much less real than the seven pounds, five ounce miracle that had broken into our lives. Though we were in the middle of Lent, the joy of Christmas was near at hand. It was a quiet joy, much like I imagined the first Christmas, though with even fewer visitors. Before, the most vivid parts of the nativity scene had been what was missing. No room at the inn, no crib for the baby, no family to help the new parents. Now in my sister, I could see Mary discovering a depth of love and strength she did not know she was capable of. And in my brother-in-law, Joseph, looking on in awe of his wife and newborn child. And in my niece, the promise of new life. The events of our lives do not always match the liturgical calendar. I know I have been lucky. For many, joy has been hard to come by this year. March stretched out into an endless Lent, like Good Friday without Easter Sunday for those suffering with illness, for those who have lost loved ones, for those who remain isolated or without work, the hopeful anticipation of Advent remains elusive, and Christmas may not feel like Christmas this year. And that's okay. The point of the church calendar is not to force us to feel certain ways at specific times. The liturgical seasons do not make reality, but point us toward what is already true. And the truth of the Incarnation is that God has broken through time and space to accompany us wherever we are. 
sometimes his presence will feel like the joy of Christmas morning. And other times, we will experience the deep consolation of knowing we are not alone in our suffering. But God's love for us is not constrained by calendars, and Christ does not wait until the paths have been made straight to walk among us. The prophet Isaiah proclaims, What came to be through him was life, and this life was the light of the human race. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. It has been a dark year, but it is my prayer that everyone listening can think of a moment when Christ's light broke through and you felt the joy of Christmas, whatever the date on the calendar. My name is Megan Dietzler and I'm from Philadelphia, PA. In addition to love for my faith communities, I'm deeply rooted in the theater community and the world of musical theater, which has been absolutely devastated by the pandemic. My good friend is a church musician and also comes from this beautiful community of theater people. And on Friday nights throughout the fall, he has opened up his church to a small handful group of us to spread out throughout the entire church with microphones so that we can safely come together and sing. We bring group numbers, solos, duets, and have relished every moment we have together. I was consoled by the mutual aid group, Crown Heights Mutual Aid in my neighborhood, which delivered hundreds and hundreds of groceries across the neighborhood to families who needed them. It helped with eviction defense against people who were being kicked out of their homes by landlords, worked in the Black Lives Matter movement with crowd support, and also held a bake sale on the street and made a thousand dollars. Hi, I'm Carrie from Massachusetts. And this was the year I was supposed to go to my first writing conference. I've been working on my writing for a long time and it was canceled. And so that was a bit of a desolation. But in this year, something I wrote a few years ago was published in an actual paper book. So that was a consolation for me and a reminder that God is working even when we can't see. Hey Jesuitical, my name is Mike and I found consolation this year in bird watching. We spent a lot of time outside this spring, of three kids and me, in our backyard and we live in a neighborhood with a lot of trees and apparently that means a lot of birds. Anyway, I started noticing the birds and they just blew me away. I see why people make bird watching their number one hobby and I don't even need fancy birds. Just cardinals, blue jays, like the little ones whose name I don't even know. Anyway, I would see a bird swooping around and like tell the kids and point it out to them and they would give it a name and imagine what it was doing. Uh, And there was this one afternoon when this male robin kept flying down from a branch to the ground to get worms to bring up to a female robin and it happened over and over and I called everyone over to look like I had seen a bald eagle. Anyway, it's cliche, but the pandemic definitely gave me time to stop and notice things like the beauty of God's creation. I found God this year during the pandemic. I really grew in my prayer life and have discovered people, actually, thanks to you guys, Richard Rohr, who I now read daily. In March, I found out my former professor, friend, and mentor, Tom, was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. I learned about this news 
a lot of the country because on March 5th, I moved abroad for a new job. The second bit of bad news was that I'd have to return to the US due to the pandemic. But after a few months of living with different friends, Tom's social worker asked if I'd be able to move into the apartment in his house that he normally rents out to grad students. So, because I had no lease and can work remotely, I've been able to spend the last four months helping someone who has been uh, always there for me. Uh, mostly that means that we have dinners together and enjoy the occasional Manhattan as well. It's been a great gift for me. My name's uh, Michael Speck, I'm a Franciscan friar, and where I found my consolation would have to be when I took my first vows as a Franciscan friar this past July. In the midst of so much turmoil, God still calls us to holiness, to greatness, and to serve one another. And I'm blessed to continue to live this life. In 2020, Jesuitical introduced me to Padre Cotuma, and I found God through Padre Cotuma's Poetry on Poetry Unbound, his readings of them, his breaking open of them, his sensitivity to life and openness. You can never go home again. In many ways, this adage is true, but like many others during this pandemic, I did return home to the San Francisco Bay Area for an extended stretch for the first time in a dozen years. Being with my brothers and seeing them with my kids brought such great joy, along with a sense of wholeness and communion, and certainly God is present where there is communion. One particular consolation our family has had here in Ann Arbor, Michigan, has been to watch the priests and other staff of St. Thomas the Apostle Parish flexibly adapt to the challenges of the public health crisis. During this spring, with greatly increased opportunities for reconciliation, conducted out of doors. Through the summer, with a ramping up of Zoom Bible studies and the like. And in the fall, with the haphazard return of college students to town, adding 40 to 60% more masses to our Sunday schedule, to make it possible to attend Mass while also practicing social distancing. It's been great to see. Hi, Nick Frager here. My consolation is how my friends reminded me of God's love. One of them got engaged. One of them got married. One of them had a kid. And despite all these new consolations, these new responsibilities in their life, they always made time for their lonely friend, Nick. That reminded me that God has a lot of things God pays attention to, but God always, always has time for me. So much of our Christmas celebrations revolve around being at home. We deck our halls, put up lights and trees and mistletoe to mark the season. And if we aren't home, we travel to get there. And if we can't do that, we insist that we'll still be there, if only in our dreams. Even in the Gospel's Christmas story, home is a looming theme. Joseph and Mary are back in town in Bethlehem, away from what Luke calls their own town, or, if you will, their new home in Nazareth. And not finding any room at the local inn, they set up a temporary home in a stable laying the Son of God in a manger. Anyone whose family moved around a lot, or whose parents have downsized after becoming empty nesters, knows the peculiarity of coming home to a place you didn't think of as home during childhood. And, after my parents' divorce in high school, for me, it meant more than one home and more than one Christmas. And now that I'm married, there's another set of homes that are important to me now. It's not all a bad thing. It's given me and my family freedom and space to create and find new traditions, 
while holding on to some of our original ones. To be honest, most of my life, I viewed this uprootedness as a blessing. Nothing to hold me down. If I wanted to make a sudden change, I didn't need to worry about where I would stash my super nice furniture, because my IKEA futon was already falling apart. Go to school in Chicago, study abroad in China, move to New York for a job. Don't sign a lease that's too long. You'll always have people you can bribe with beer to move you into the next place. But, through all of the home changing, there was always one constant for me. My grandparents' house. Which, to set the scene, is much larger in coziness than square footage. At Christmas time, my grandma always found a way to cook and buy presents for the small army that is our family. And so, Christmas Eve at my grandparents' house is a sight to behold. It's the chaos that I love. 50 people moving through a buffet line in the kitchen, adults at the adults' table, kids at the Fisher-Price kids' table, and those of us who are neither adults nor kids finding any spot with a solid surface to put our plate on. After dinner, kids are banished to play in the basement, while the living room transforms into the Midwest Pole. Then, someone is given the great honor to yell down, Time to open presents! Triggering a great multitude of munchkins storming up the stairs. And, dear listener, we do not open presents in any orderly fashion. There are no taking turns. Just pure paper flying, cardboard tearing, people yelling, Does anybody have AAA batteries? It's beautiful chaos. I love it. And this, not COVID, is the reason I've been dreading Christmas this year. My grandma died in her home this February from ovarian cancer. This is my family's first Christmas without her. I've been thinking about how she knew what it was like to have home change. She grew up in and out of an orphanage. She married young and moved across the country with a man she would be married to for 56 years to start a new home. There, she would see her home destroyed by a fire and a new home raised up in its place. There's a good chance that this Christmas, even if you are home, It isn't going to look the way you thought or wanted. During Christmas, lots of homilies focus on how ruthless it is to deny a nine-months pregnant woman lodging at the inn, which I suppose is fair. But I think there's also a key lesson from the Incarnation in this detail from Luke's Gospel. God isn't staying temporarily. He doesn't even need a late checkout. He is here. Whether we're in our childhood home, our adopted home, our home for the night, or for the season, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He's still dwelling. And this year, my family's first Christmas without the one who always made it special for us. I'm trying to remember all the things my grandma did and taught us about making a home. Love, mercy, welcome, and probably some good food. These are the things that make a home. So. Wherever home is, and whatever home looks like for you this year, Merry Christmas.
Jesuitical is produced by Maggie Van Dorn. Our editor is Noah Levinson. Faith formation provided by Father Eric Sundrup. You can follow us on Twitter at Jesuitical Show. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash Jesuitical. Please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your favorite podcasts and leave us a review. Jesuitical is a production of American Media in New York City. For American Media, I'm Ashley McKinless with Zach Davis. Merry Christmas, and we'll see you next year.